from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. I, I got a call on Friday, the 17th of January from the um, uh, British uh, security services. That's Bill Browder, businessman and author. He cast himself as Vladimir Putin's number one enemy, and the call he got from British authorities was important. Telling me that they had received a call from their Swiss counterparts, and the Swiss had informed them that they knew I was coming to Davos. They knew I was going to be speaking in Davos. Um, they were aware that the subject of my of my speech was going to be a critical attack on Russian corruption, and they believed, based on their intelligence, that there was some Uh, heightened um, risk to my physical security when I was going to be there. And on this episode of Target USA, we dig into what that threat was. And here's a hint. Two plumbers with diplomatic passports. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. You might remember hearing in recent weeks, this being February of 2020, about Russian intelligence agents allegedly plotting to bug the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. A part of that whole scenario was the fact that several of the attendees were warned they might be at risk for physical harm. One of them was Bill Browder, a British businessman and author. He's also public enemy number one for Russian President Vladimir Putin because of his work on the Magnitsky Act, which is anti-corruption legislation that's sweeping the world. He joins us on this episode of Target USA in an exclusive interview to tell us what happened with that threat against him in Davos. I got a call on Friday, the 17th of January from the um, uh, British uh, security services, their anti-terrorist group that um, looks after my interests, telling me that they had received a call from their Swiss counterparts and the Swiss had informed them that they knew I was coming to Davos. They knew I was going to be speaking in Davos. Um, They were aware that the subject of my of my speech was going to be a critical attack on Russian corruption. And they believed, based on their intelligence, that there was some uh, heightened um, risk to my physical security when I was going to be there. So I had uh, uh, one particular question I wanted to ask you, if uh, you could uh, let us know what the exact message was. But I assume that's what you just did, was told us exactly what they said to you. Is that right? Uh, that was the exact message that I received. Okay, and again, who was it that called you? Was it an official? Was it uh, who? Can you say? Yeah, so it was the there's a there's a branch within the um, uh, British government called SO15. They deal with anti-terrorist um, protection of of threatened individuals in this country, and I'm, I'm one of the people they look after. Mm-hmm. And uh, the person who manages my case was the one who called me. How long was the call? 
Um, the call was, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Did you have any responses to them that you can share um, that would be helpful in us understanding the, the depths of this particular situation? Um, I can't really go into any more detail than confirming that the call took place. Mm-hmm. Why, again, why, what, what was it that led them to think that they needed to call you? Well, at the mo- at the time that it happened, we we were completely um, uh, confused because I- I've been going to Davos for 23 years. Um, I've been sort of in a mortal hand to hand combat with the Russian government for 10 years since the murder of Sergei Magnitsky, and this is the first time I've ever received a call of this nature. Mm. Um, so did they clear up your confusion? I mean, was the message that they gave you enough to allay your concern, your confusion? Because as you say, this has been 23 years. Why now did they satisfy your confusion? Uh, they didn't, but the following Monday, um, I got a call from a Swiss journalist who we had been in touch with over the years about issues related to the Magnitsky case. And he informed me that um, they had just received a message from their sources inside the Swiss government that there had been a a Russian plot in Davos that had been uh, intercepted and foiled um, by the Swiss police in which two individuals, uh, two Russian individuals had gone to Davos in advance of the World Economic Forum in the summer, late summer of 2019, um, they had spent uh, three weeks in Davos, and Davos is a very small town where everybody knows each other, and apparently somebody thought that they were suspicious. They were approached by the police. They identified themselves as plumbers, and uh, when the police asked for their identification, they then presented diplomatic passports from Russia and asked to be released, which they were. And when we learned about this, which in the, and the story was then published Tuesday morning um, of last week, uh, then we put two and two together, and it is it appears as if um, the this foiled plot had something to do with the warning that I received about my physical security. So they didn't mention anything about the plot in the warning. They did not. That and, may- and, and it's not clear what more they know about the plot that um, uh, they um, they would have led them to give me that warning. So let me ask you this question, and I'm not sure you have an answer for it, but you may because you've been dealing with this for a while. Why would they call you and tell you you may, be want, you may want to watch out? What did they say, don't go, or you may, may want to consider not going? No, they just wanted to make sure that, um, uh, that I was uh, alerted to the risks and that, that I uh, elevated my my um, security precautions appropriately. Well, do you think that if they were able to tell you what the risk were, you might have been able to, you know, make the appropriate adjustments or, or how do you feel about that? Well, I, I'm, I'm not sharing with you every single thing they told me, but, but the, the answer is that in any of these situations, they, they often can't tell you um, what the information is or where they got it from or, or whatever, because that would then expose their sources and methods. And so mm-hmm. uh, this is not the first time I've been warned by uh, a government of Russian actions against me, but it's, it's often when, when, I, when I have been warned, they're effectively doing their duty um, to try to, you know, 
give me whatever information I can get to protect myself. I think you I think you mentioned to me when we were communicating earlier that this happened on a Friday. Was this the 17th of January? That's correct. What time of day was it? Uh, first thing in the morning. Okay. Well, that, okay. Business hours, you're saying, essentially. Yeah. So I got a call. I think it was like, um, well, maybe not, not first thing in the morning, maybe 10 a.m. or so. And, um, uh, and I was leaving the following Monday uh, for Switzerland. And so they were warning me in advance of coming into the country. Did, did they tell you how they knew what you were talking about and that you were going to be there? No, they didn't tell me that. Okay. Uh, were there others, to your knowledge, that they contacted this way? Not that I'm aware of, but um, obviously some people who were contacted, if they were contacted, might not be um, as transparent as I am about these types of things. Mm-hmm. This plumber, plumber situation, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe happened in August, and the way that this went was these people showed up at this very exclusive and expensive uh, re- retreat and they stayed there for a very long time. And some of the people who worked there got concerned and then spoke to the authorities about it. Is that your understanding of how this happened? Yeah. So Davos is, is a, um, is a small Swiss town up in the mountains. Um, everybody knows everybody there. And, and these two people were apparently, um, out of place and, not well known and 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 the Swiss are very organized about sort of um, keeping track of who, who's there and who's not and and I guess that led to some type of questioning which led to this ex- exposing these two individuals. Why do you suppose they waited from August until the seventeenth of January to reach out to you, the authorities? I, I don't know. I, I suspect perhaps they they were um, uh, just learning about my coming to Davos around that point. All right. So you've been very vocal for a while, and we've talked to you a few times about your interactions with Vladimir Putin. And um, so what is it you believe that these people may have been up to and had been planning? Because looking at your tweet, uh, you sent out a tweet that alerted many of us to this situation. You indicated that um, there may have been a a plot or a, a, a situation where you were being targeted. What was your understanding based on Everything you, when you learned everything about this from the, the authorities and the journalists, that these people might have been up to, as far as you're concerned. Well, there, there's been a very consistent pattern that whenever I have a big success in the Magnitsky sanctions campaign, that the Russians react by targeting me in one way or another. And so, for example, um, when when the um, original U.S. Magnitsky Act was passed, which imposes sanctions on Russian officials. Uh, a few months after that, the um, Russians issued their first Interpol arrest warrant for me. Um, when the Canadian government passed the Canadian Magnitsky Act, the Russians issued another Interpol arrest warrant for me. And um, in December, we we finally broke through after a number of years at the European Union, and the European Union has made a decision at a high level in principle to do an EU Magnitsky Act. And and clearly, the Russians were probably not happy about that. And uh, and then whatever they were planning here was being cooked up. And uh, and that's where we ended up with this warning. Mr. Browder, you know, you we've talked about uh, Yuri Chaika a few times in our conversations in the past. And um, he was Russia's top prosecutor. And, you know, he, uh, I guess, and others were behind a number of Interpol red notices that were launched uh, to, to try to get a hold of you. 
Uh, one of them most famously we talked about um, involved the situation in, in Madrid. Um, just by way of reference to some of our previous discussions on the podcast, but um, recently there was some development with Chaika being removed uh, from his position. Um, can you give us some insight into what you think that was about? Um, well, first of all, just about some more background. So Chaika, Yuri Chaika, he's the general prosecutor of Russia. I would argue he's probably the second most powerful person in Russia after Vladimir Putin because he has the power to arrest anybody in the country. And uh, in Vladimir Putin's vendetta against me, Yuri Chaika has um, issued eight Interpol arrest warrants for me. Thankfully, all eight of them have been dismissed by Interpol as being politically motivated and inappropriate. And so he's really Putin's enforcer. Putin has relied on him for a, for a long period of time. And uh, as most everybody knows, uh, in the last week, Putin has taken a very abrupt step to change the constitution of the country so he can prolong his place in power. And in the process of doing that, um, he's uh, almost on a wholesale basis replaced all of his key people including his prime minister, Dmitry Medvedev, and, and most importantly for me, and perhaps most importantly generally, um, he also, after 13 years, um, got rid of Yuri Chaika. What does that mean? And I think everybody is trying to guess what it means. Um, the only thing that, that's um, for sure is that it's very much out of character. He does, Putin generally doesn't fire people um, that are close to him like this. He's, he's extremely consistent in keeping everybody in place. And the other thing that's unusual is that he did this four years before he had to. That's four years, in 2024 is when his term as president is up. And the fact that he acted so early suggests he's worried about something very seriously. Curiously, he was removed um, right around the same time as you said, Medvedev, and, and, and then the other gentleman was installed as his replacement. Do you think that this will alleviate the the risk or the threat that you face? No, not at all. I'm, I'm the, the 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 threat that I face comes from Vladimir Putin. He's got various people acting on his behalf. Uh, I guarantee you that the next general prosecutor will be as loyal and vigilant as Yuri Chaika was. Um, but having said that, since Chaika was such a um, uh, dishonest. Uh, character and abusing the system in such a radical way against me, um, I, I can't be anything other than happy to see him go, regardless of who replaces him. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us for a bit about your um, thoughts about what Putin is 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 doing? I think you may have said a, f a few moments ago that nobody seems to know about this, but what I've heard is that uh, there is this, this possible realignment uh, that may involve possibly another country where he's trying to position himself to to run a new uh, union between Russia and Belarus. Have you heard anything regarding that? Well, so so Putin needs to be president after the end of his term. He needs to be in power until the end of his natural life. If he isn't, he would lose his money, go to jail, and possibly worse. Therefore, he's been looking for ways in which he can remain in power without brazenly just declaring himself president for life. The, um, uh, uh, the plan that he carried out before, he's been, he's been around now for, for more than 20 years, 
he in the past he's been swapping seats. He he was the president for eight years, swapped seats with the uh, with his prime minister Dmitry Medvedev, and then took over again in 2012. Um, he doesn't want to follow through on that because it's just too it's too brazen and too transparent. And so his plan B was to um, create a new country, a merger between Russia and Belarus, which is a neighboring country, become head of this new merger, merged union, and then make the whoever president of Russia and president of Belarus subordinate to him. My understanding is that the current president of Belarus um, kind of enjoys being president of his own sovereign country. And, and I also understand that the people of Belarus aren't particularly happy becoming part of Russia. And so that's encountered a number of, of, um, uh, of difficulties and, and uh, obstructions. And so it looks like his new plan, and nobody's really sure of this, but his new plan is to set up, take an organization which is called the State Council, which right now is just some kind of vague uh, advisory body, um, change the Constitution to give the State Council all sorts of uh, powers of the presidency, he can then become uh, head of this new state council and then have whoever's president of Russia um, be subordinate to him, kind of like uh, mm -hmm. he becomes the CEO of a corporation and the president of Russia is just like a divisional head. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that looks like, from what he said so far, to be his plan, but we still don't know for sure, and, and I think uh, only time will tell. You said that you 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 believe he needs to be in power for the rest of his natural life in order to retain his money and position power. Do you mean just just by virtue of his own ego and 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 that, or is there some other force that Vladimir Putin answers to? Well, he answers to the force of of uh, everybody else's um, uh, greed and revenge and other things and. Uh, over the course of his presidency, he's accumulated $200 billion of personal net worth. That None of that money is held in his own name. It's held by people who he trusts, called oligarch trustees. But nobody can really be trusted with that kind of money in Russia. And so at any point, if he's not in power and he doesn't have the power to arrest and destroy people's lives, then they're not going to return that money to him. And moreover, he's He's been in the. He, in order to get that money, he's had to kill, maim, hostage take, kidnap, and do, do other terrible things to a lot of people. And um, there's a lot of people out there who want justice. And and if he were not to be president anymore, he'd probably be thrown in jail. And bad things happen to people who are thrown in Russian jails, as I've learned with my lawyer Sergei Magnitsky, who was killed in a Russian jail. And so uh, uh, Putin understands that this is a, a to not be in power is an existential risk. There is no dignified exit for him. Um, there's no Putin presidential library for him to retire to. Yeah. You know, I um, the question of the, the Magnitsky case, um, you know, we see this quite often. Anybody that watches your 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 activities on social media and other other places know that you've amassed quite a bit of power yourself um, when it comes to the press and um, people and routinely send you messages uh, of, uh, of, of, of letting you know how happy they are, you're okay, con messages of concern. And, you know, there was recently um, an article in Der Spiegel, which appeared to be off base and wrong. And uh, a lot of the press and uh, others went after them 
So um, do you think that this situation between you and Putin has elevated you to a place um, that you would not have normally gotten to just based on the work that you were doing behind the scenes? And are you comfortable in this position? Well, um, most people who are fighting with Vladimir Putin are advised to stop fighting, disappear, go to ground, and hope it all blows over. And um, that's the advice I got when, when after Sergei Magnitsky was killed. And from a moral standpoint, I couldn't do that. And moreover, um, I thought that that was just plain bad advice, that I think those people um, who are advised that way end up uh, getting killed. Um, if you're not relevant and you die, nobody cares. And so yeah. I've taken the exact opposite approach, which is I, I, I've challenged them head on. And my profile has, has risen and, and people do care what happens to me. And um, as you've mentioned, you know, when things happen, um, it's immediately news. And, uh, and so uh, I think it's in a certain way an important part of, of uh, staying alive is making sure that, that um, people care about what happens to me. So just a few more questions in total. Um, how do you feel about your life and your situation now that several developments have taken place, including the one in Davos, the Chaika, uh, I guess, firing, Putin's, uh, I guess, reset. Um, how do you how do you feel about the threat towards you? Because I believe you told me at one point that there are a lot of people after you uh, on the part of Russia and Vladimir Putin and a lot of money had been spent. So how do you feel about where that is now? I think it's at a highly critical level. I don't think anything has changed. I think that that um, the work that I've done um, on the Magnitsky Act, which which puts Putin's wealth at risk, is so uh, infuriating uh, to Putin, and he's made he's given the instructions very clearly to everybody in his administration to try to um, destroy me in any way they can. I don't think that anything has changed for the better. Um, uh, it's at a critical level. Okay, um, when you look back at um everything that's taken place in the last uh, month, well, this month in 2020, there's been a, a lot of lot of developments, you know, from Russia to the, the Davos situation to, uh, you know, the Magnitsky Act. And I believe there's been more momentum on the Magnitsky front, too. Can, can you sum it up for us? Well, so, so what's happened with, with the Magnitsky Act is that um, it's, it's, uh, it's the sort of perfect technology for dealing with, with uh, dictators, kleptocrats, and human rights abusers, because it, it targets the individual as opposed to targeting the country. And so it's possible for the United States and Canada and the UK or any country that has the Magnitsky Act um, to go after bad guys, but at the same time carry on trading and having diplomatic relations with the country. And it's also very um, elegant because um, the, the victims of these dictators don't get sanctioned. The people don't get sanctioned, just the dictators. And um, it's, it's a sort of technology that everybody, a legal technology that everybody says, God, that's so obvious. Of course, why not just go after these, you know, these, these officials themselves? And as a result, uh, and it's not just for Russia, it goes, it goes after people from uh, Venezuela or Burma or Nicaragua or all sorts of places where there's bad things going on. 
And the, the, as, as, people, as people around the world, as victims around the world wake up to this, they say, this is genius. We need to have this everywhere. And as a result, um, we're now, um, uh, as I mentioned, on, on the cusp of getting uh, Magnitsky Act in the EU. Um, Australia, the Australian government and Australian parliament now have a public inquiry into passing their version of the Magnitsky Act. And, and, and just a couple of days ago, literally out of nowhere, um, the foreign minister of Kosovo um, tweeted out that he's now going to join the EU, Canada, and the United States, and Kosovo is going to have a Magnitsky Act. And um, it's just happening um, almost now without even my um, soliciting people to do this. It's just a, almost taken on a life of its own. And, and that's very gratifying for me and very upsetting for Putin and other bad guys. Well, considering that this momentum is uh, picked up, do you see yourself um, having the luxury of stepping back now? No, I'm, I have no plans to step back. I, I need to roll this out everywhere. And then once it's rolled out, I need to make sure it gets implemented everywhere in an aggressive and full, a fulsome way. So you're going to be on Vladimir Putin's trail for quite a while, huh? Um, I, I imagine that that's the case. Anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about you think is important? No, all good. All good. All right. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate the chance to talk again. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. That was Bill Browder. He's an American-born British financier and political activist. He's the CEO and co-founder of Hermitage Capital Management, the investment advisor to the Hermitage Fund, which at one time was the largest foreign portfolio investor in Russia. Therein is where his trouble started. I'm sure we'll talk to Bill again in the future, and I'm sure you'll want to follow this case closely as it continues to unfold. Coming up on our next episode, speaking of Russia, one of the U.S.'s allies has a very interesting perspective on the situation with Russia. It's Croatia. Russia was, in a sense, uh, the, the Soviet Union disintegrated. But what, is, what was amazing, and it's somewhat uh, uh, neglected as, as a fact, is that it disintegrated mostly peacefully. One would have not expected something like that to happen. So there was a moment in history when we thought that there would be a possibility of having a partnership, almost an alliance eventually with Russia, convergence on the Russia being democratic country. Pierre Simonovic is the ambassador from Croatia to the US, and he warns from experience that Russia is looking for every opportunity to step into power voids. Mm -hmm. And we have seen that I was previously ambassador. I was exactly ambassador in Israel mm -hmm. during the times uh, when Russia became uh, very active in the Middle East. And he warns, now is not the time to whistle past the graveyard of the Cold War. Coming up on our next episode. If you have any questions about our program or a comment, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast, and you can do so right there on the podcast's webpage. Also, follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news and information, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.
If you're looking for political commentary as the 2020 presidential campaign heats up, be sure to check out The Charlie Kirk Show. Known for energizing college students across the country to get involved with politics, Charlie will now be reporting all the news from the upcoming primaries and beyond. You can catch up on the latest amazing episodes, including interviews with Ben Shapiro and Vice President Mike Pence. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Podcast One, Apple Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. Here's some exciting news. It's official. Target USA is now on Spotify, and it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen. And joining Spotify allows us to be even more places for fans to find us. And we can build our community even further. Spotify is working to help listeners discover the shows they love, and now this podcast is one of them. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, now you can listen to Target USA in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right, no credit card necessary. And simply search for our show to start listening free. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.